Greetings! Am I just an average millennial going through a quarter-life crisis and this podcast is a cry for help? Or am I just an authoritarian figure talking about the one thing that I know something about, which is game shows? I suppose? We'll find out today. Hi, I'm Jordan Haas, and welcome to Game Shows, I suppose. Uh, we have a good episode today. Thomas Hale, some of you might know as Gertrude Perkins, uh, will be joining me to talk about Taskmaster, which should be a lot of fun. But before we get to that, like we do every episode, we gotta go through the news. Well, okay then. Uh, hi. Uh, so we got a few bits of news here. Uh, this week is a good week for the the rest of the game show world. Uh, there was there's that one. This is the transitionary period between the summer filler and now we're starting our fall lineup. So what we're seeing is syndicated game shows are now starting today. Uh, well, Monday, more specifically, if they're a strip format, Monday through Friday. Uh, so here are all the game shows that are on air that started this week. Uh, Funny You Should Ask starts Season 3 today. Uh, according to the this PR report I got from Game Show Newsnet, you got John Lovitz, Sherry Shepard, Louie Anderson, Pyron Allen, oh, he's in trouble, Jody Miller, and Jamie Kennedy. Well, good for Jody Miller. I think she needs to host a game show eventually. Uh, Jeopardy uh, starts season 36 today. Jason is back to defend his title and already won $137,300. Uh, Alright, next is Wheel of Fortune season 37. Then the year begins with Teacher's Week. Uh-huh. And big change. No more half cars are on the wheel. And not only that, the triple toss-up puzzle. So no more... That's kind of a shame. because I, I, mean, I mean, I missed the beep-beep. Oh, well, maybe that's what was missing. You know, a lot of people complaining about how the half car was the uh, the game-changing, game-breaking element in Wheel of Fortune these days. Not so much, you know, like, say, a prize puzzle or something, right? <laughs> Am I right? Uh, anyway, HQ is back for Season 6. Back to school is the granddaddy of them all. Levels and points reset on the app that's still around for some reason. Uh... Also, 25 Words or Less makes its premiere uh, actually September 16th. All right, well, i got to wait this. Uh, so it's a three-week trial run on nine Fox owned stations in 2018. This new show, uh, hosted by Meredith Vieira, is going national with clearances in more than 90% of the country, uh, which is a fun little show where basically you have to get a, a pair of celebrities to figure out what you're saying in 25 words or less. And you have to get five words, and you have a, like, a reverse auction format. It's a lot of fun. You, we'll talk about it eventually. Uh, also, America Says, syndicated rebroadcast of GSN's primetime original with John Michael Higgins. I mean, John Michael Higgins didn't get the uh, Emmy nom for Best Host. So, hey, let's all show the world John Michael Higgins as a game show host. It's fine. And then finally, of course, Family Feud makes its debut also September 16th. No big changes, but there's going to be a live tour soon. Uh, next on the docket, I hope you kids love uh, home games because they're making a $100,000 pyramid home game with Michael Strahan. It, it, it's Michael Strahan on the box, and I don't know what that means other than maybe a DVD format featuring clues that were on the show or something. Uh, sure. In the internet game show format, I saw this thing from Complex called Price the Hype. Price the Hype is the world's first ever sneaker game show. 
Jury contestants use their knowledge of average sneaker resale prices to complete for cash and a chance to save your sole bonus round. <laughs> in Price the Hype's final game, the contestant wins a grand prize pair of hyped sneakers and is faced with a gauntlet of five questions. The only way contestants walk away with sneakers in brand new condition is to answer every question correctly. For each question the contestant gets wrong, the sneaker gets damaged one that shows five tools of destruction. Hosted by Brandon Dunn of Full Size Run, Soul Collector's Price the Hype airs every Tuesday on Soul Collector. So Complex, which is also like First Three Feast, made a game show called Price the Hype. Uh, it's look, I don't know shit about sneaker culture, and I I'm trying to figure this show out. There's the first episodes out. I don't really want to make a quick review of this because I don't really know much about the culture of it. But what I do know is. It was terrible to watch. Like, it feels cheap. It doesn't feel like a game show. It feels like an internet sketch show. And then when it does that save your soul bonus round, it's a ripoff of destruction, of distraction. Distraction did this. The whole, if you're wrong, we're going to damage your your the prize you're supposed to win thing. And it's like, eh. I, every single time I see like a, we're going to destroy something as a prize thing, element that's supposed to be entertaining i believe but it's it's kind of just like a waste of the prop and i know they're not like supplied by the companies because these are like you know nikes and these are like 700 shoes but it's still shit to me it just reminds me of mtv's trashed in in a multitude of ways like, if I have to give a letter grade right now, I would give it an F. Like, this is also one of those almost unwatchable shows, but I think I'm only doing it because I don't know much about sneaker culture, so if maybe, like, dis like scuffing the shoe is a bad thing, so maybe that's the reason they do it in the bonus round or something, I I don't know. It just feels bad. Like, I maybe if I knew more about it, it'd be, like, a D-, minus. but for right now... Because of the cheapness of the show, the questions being asked, which are okay. They're mostly, you know, athletic wear, name the athlete, what like company gave them the deals. It's just not my thing. So it kind of sucks. Uh, but that's out now. Uh, available on the complex uh, network based to your friends at Soul Collector because sneaker culture is on the rise. And uh, finally, oh, there's two. There's two. Uh, uh, first of all, have you heard of this Rebel Wilson lady? I mean, a, we, a few weeks ago, we talked about how she's going to host the Australian version of Documental called LOL, Last One Laughing. But she's also going to host, I guess, the rebooted version of Groomer Has It. Reese, I, we haven't forgotten. We will eventually cover Groomer Has It. I just got to find an episode. Uh, Rebel Wilson's had to host the Australian reality show following the lives of competition dog groomers called Pooch Perfect. It's all about people who are mainly focusing on grooming aspects of dogs. Uh, it's kind of like Best in Show. All right. Thank you. It was announced on the morning show in Channel 7. Okay, it's also going to be on Channel 7, so that makes sense. Uh, Rebel Wilson's mom, Sue, is a professional dog handler. Uh, so maybe she'll have some aspect involved in the show as well. And finally, uh, before we get to our big Taskmaster episode, we will be reviewing Supermarket Sweep afterwards. But for some bizarre reason, we have more Rylan news. Rylan is going to be hosting another revival of a big show. 
uh, BBC is recommissioning the classic 90s game show Ready, Steady, Cook. Now, if you were in America, it was Ready, Set, Cook on the Food Network. More on that in a bit. Uh, basically, it's kind of like it was, a, it was a cooking competition show with two chefs and two uh, amateur cooks as well. The idea was supposed to be with a limited budget, make the best dish, and then the judges would would pick. So if it was the if you remember in the American version, I don't know if it was in the in the British version, it was the tomato section and the green bell pepper section. And I think like the winner got a thousand bucks. Like that was it. So congratulations, we're making a cheap version of that again, but with Rylan called Ready Steady Cook. How how amazing. Uh so that's that's gonna do it for us here on the news section. Hello. Oh. Oh, what do we have here? Ooh. Look, there's wax seal. <clears throat> Make the most exciting introduction. Most exciting introduction wins. Your time starts now. What? We don't have time to prepare? Uh, 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 what's in my drawer? What's in my drawer? Uh, all right. Playing cards. Well, it's an audio podcast. Dice. Dice. Nope. We're not one of those podcasts. We don't d- dice roll at all. Okay. Uh. Oh, harmonica. Oh, peg clickety clacker. Okay, party clacker. I, I got something here. All right. <clears throat> this is the exciting show. It's about the show that I know. We are gonna talk about a game. That's because the format's the same. That's the podcast name. Game shows, I suppose. It's about the shows that I knows. Now let's bring out the guest. That's I like the best. And now we got to turn the tables. The catchphrase of the transition part is, let's turn the tables. So let's turn the tables. Here we go. With me on the line. Oh, it's the flash in the pan. This is the one take. Take number one. Hi, I'm Tom, uh, co-host of Flash in the Pan, also known as Gertrude Perkins on the internet sometimes. Yes, welcome, Gertrude, slash Tom, slash listeners to our fun episode. Clearly, this is the first and only recording of. We did not have any mishaps of any kind. No catastrophic recording errors. Um, Nothing is on fire. No one is injured. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. Nothing was blamed. Remain indoors. Remain indoors. So, this is a good episode because good, good pal here. 
just really wanted to talk about game shows. Long time listener, first time guest. Yeah, I'm an LTL FTG. Uh, I mean, the, and, 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 and there's so many. We've already covered a few British shows in this. We, we've covered Strike It Lucky, Release the Hounds, Big uh, Break. The Big Break. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about one of my favorites. Uh, yes. This is one that is a recent uh, game show, and I consider it a game show even though it follows in the role of panel games because this is all comedians playing, and I guess some actors, celebrities, uh, called Taskmaster. It made its debut July 28th, 2015, and uh, it was created by one little Alex Horn. Little Alex Horn. You can't just say Alex Horn now. You have to go into a high-pitched voice and then scream in his ear, yeah that's the rules now that's the, the rules now so. even when he's like on tour with the with the horn section you just got to go I, I'm I imagine i imagine in modern horn section shows like if it were me i would give the audience like a 30 second scream at the start to get it out of their system before moving on with the rest of it <laughs> so we're gonna talk edinburgh First guy to talk Edinburgh, because this is where the show got its origin. Edinburgh comedy. Anyone who's, who's particularly known, know comedy. No, no, especially international comedy knows there's a few places, uh, like, for instance, just her laughs comedy in Toronto. Where's it Vancouver now? Uh, and then you have Edinburgh comedy, which is where all the, the British comedians are. So you can go see your Jimmy Carrs. You can see your Alan Cars, if he still does any comedy whatsoever. <laughs> That's where you yeah, go the, to. So the, the, the main thing about the, the Edinburgh Fringe, that uh, as, as with a lot, of fest, a lot of city festivals have fringes, um, and the Edinburgh Fringe is one of the, is one of the most famous and beloved slash uh, infamous, just because uh, during the Edinburgh Festival, um, the entire city is just seized by festival stuff um i have i know someone who used to live in edinburgh and the city the city basically just shuts down for a month in terms of regular day-to-day life lots of food trucks lots of pop-up so kebab places as, as armies of uh people uh flyering or performance artists roaming the streets desperately trying to get people to come into their usually very cheap uh shows um, I went once when I was 17, uh, which would have been years ago, and um, it was it was really good in that um, there's such a good blend of established names and complete unknowns, and it's not just comedy, you also get music stuff, a lot of theatre stuff. I saw a musical about Scientology that was entitled Xenu is Loose. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, no, the, the Edinburgh Fringe, Fringe Festival is uh, uh, a wonderful turmoil, but also it's t- so closely tied into the comedy circuit in the British Isles that doing Edinburgh is kind of it's kind of like the E3 equivalent. We're proud to give you an exclusive sneak peek at an all-new The Thick of It. <laughs> oh, if only. The Thick of It is uh, dearly missed after correctly predicting the entirety of British political discourse for the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean it's not going over real world politically you know it's a mixed bag <laughs> i 
I, I, you know, when it comes to comedy, it's for the many, not the few. That's what I've learned. And uh, yeah, exactly. Here we, here we fucking go. So Alex Horn came up with the original Taskmaster game called the Taskmaster, in which he just emailed periodically one task every month for basically a year uh, to ten people, and it was like whoever got the fastest or whoever got the best, and just like sent the photo proof one. And yeah, I do know that the the first ever task he set, um, I think it was like uh, a dozen or twenty comedians. I know the the first task he emailed them with was. Um, Put some money in my bank account. The most wins. <laughs> yes. And that became a later task in the actual game show. <laughs> yep. Uh, but more on that in just a bit. Because uh, there was a for- there was one of the executives, uh, I believe Dave, saw this festival out. They pitched the, uh, the show out. Now, it was a success. A lot of people were enjoying it. And the idea was supposed to be uh, to do this. Originally, everyone was thinking you should have a rotating panel of stars every week. And then it became, no, our hook is going to be unlike all these other panel shows where there's like a captain or multiple. This is just the same five every week for the entire series. And we yeah. crown a room winner. Yeah, which I think is one of its greatest strengths. Um, if you don't mind me uh, skipping ahead to talking oh, no about the, the stuff I like the most about the show, is that the fact that we get to spend five to ten episodes, depending on the series, um, each series has grad- has gradually got longer. It started with, with five or six, and now it's a solid ten. Um, but we spend so much time with the contestants, because like, um, re- uh, unusually for a ostensibly a comedy show, it's like a full hour of programming. It's like a forty-five minutes of actual recorded footage, and so you spend a lot of time with the contestants. Um, similarly to, uh, I know you talked about previously the Korean game show, The Genius, which uh, you got me into recently. Oh. Um, you spend so much time with the individual contestants that you actually really properly cheer them on, and it, it works on so many fun levels. So it before does. we get to uh, understand the contestants, and we gotta still go with the origin story, because the networks were all mean jerks, and they're like, gotta get rotating people, or maybe you can be the taskmaster, or maybe this and this. Alex goes, no, I should not be the taskmaster. I, if anything, I I know I'm the like creator, but I need to have like this the buddy sidekick role. I need to be like the the passerby. <laughs> yeah. And the idea was Greg Davies, Which and is Greg is a good task <laughs> like i can't think of anyone else that would fit that role right now no he he is he has come to embody it and he came to embody that role so quickly as well because they, they must never met each other they were not friends <laughs> yeah and if you eventually get to see like it goes as the series progresses you kind of now know the dynamics alex is just like here's greg greg's like uh sure hi i'm the taskmaster i guess <laughs> And then as it just progresses into, Greg is now authoritarian and brutal to Alex. And Alex is still yeah. trying to be a chummy, like, self and just keep showing up with, like, prop comedy and other bits that he wants to really sell. And Greg just smacks it down on him. Yeah, they they have a, a really good... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what sort of evil duo they are most like. And I want to say either Bulk and Skull or maybe Gaston and LeFou from the Beauty and the I Beast. I think Gaston would be more fitting because it's one's arrogant and the other's just like the belligerent, just like, it's what he wants. I'm sorry. It's what he wants. 
even though he's the yeah. one that comes up with the tasks. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like uh, maybe it's more like Robotnik and sn- and Snively from the original TV <laughs> from the cartoon shows, <laughs> where Alex is the is the brains behind the outfit. So what you're saying? <laughs> what I'm saying so is that great Davies is to say, like, should play I'll Dr. Robotnik. that Josh Whittacombe. <laughs> I mean, hey, like he he could do it. I I could absolutely believe that Greg Davies would have a sideline in imprisoning animals in robot bodies to fight for his amusement. <laughs> and, I, and I'm saying that as a big fan of his. Hang on, got a task. Uh, collect a hundred rings. <laughs> you cannot <laughs> touch fastest time. Fastest time wins. Don't touch any spikes. Go. Uh, so when it be- so when a lot of networks basically turned down Dave, which was known at the time to be basically the like a com- I would say like an American Comedy Central, though I'd say it's kind of a little bit because it's kids can't really compare to Comedy Central because that's more stand up comedy specials and movies. Yeah, Dave uh, Dave got it start properly, um, if I may. In, in uh, it was known as like the Repeats Channel. Uh, they would buy up a lot of old uh, comedy shows, mostly sitcoms and panel shows. And they would just show them. So you might get to watch like all of the original run of Red Dwarf on Dave over a few months, that kind of thing. And then they started a few years ago to, to do their own original content. And some of it is very good. Like a um, panel show called Argumental, which is essentially like an improv debate show. Which I eventually have to cover. But <laughs> they got the, no, write that down. Hang on. Yep, write that down. <laughs> um, and, and I think Taskmaster is their biggest uh, individual success, at least in terms of sort of cultural clout. Uh, so in, so inspirations behind Taskmaster and the Taskmaster Challenge uh, came from the Crystal Maze, which is, everyone knows, is like my favorite birthright game show. I'm like... I the, love the Crystal Maze so much. I'm only with Richard Iwani. I still love it. I, I, I love... He was... I know this isn't the Crystal Maze episode, but Richard Iwani was possibly the best pick to to take up the mantle of maze master or whatever the official it's called maze. Is. they're not hosts they're maze masters they're not there's not <laughs> <laughs> they're not they're not points they're crystals there were five exactly. seconds of the crystal dome <laughs> yeah i like i like just playing with all the flavoring that comes <laughs> they're not oh, they're not contestants yeah. they're adventurers uh but yes you know he is brilliant in that and it's such a great because 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 crystal mace is basically like here's a sign that tells you what to do and then they have to interpret it to do the task yes uh and not only that alex horn worked on big brother in the uk and as you know big brother that show was full of those secret tasks or ways to just I think I remember very vaguely because Big Brother was one of those things that was just sort of on in the background at my house. I remember uh, at one point um, they had to, to take care of these, you know, like baby dolls that are that are used for like training people for childcare. But they had different settings of how much they would cry, and just watching the the contestants, sorry, the housemates on on yeah, Big Brother just getting driven to misery. <laughs> Getting driven to misery by these artificial babies was uh, something that's really stuck with me from childhood. Now imagine that kind of level of cruelty, but instead of contestants, it's stand-up comedians and actors. Yes. Uh, so, Avalon's production company, Channel 4, uh, was originally going to have Taskmaster before it got picked up by Dave. 
um, because this they decided this is going to be more of a sitcom than a panel show. And unfortunately, the biggest problem with Taskmaster proper was there was no way to do a pilot for this. So if it was basically you had to do the full first series before it picks up. The first episode only lasted six episodes, and it was with Frank Skinner, Josh Whittacombe, Rosalind Connolly, Romesh, and Tim Key. And Tim Key plays an important role later on in the series, because he becomes basically the guinea pig for almost every task, and a task yes. creator himself. Yeah, um, t- so Tim Key was actually, uh, the reason he was involved in the first series, because he and Alex Horn had been long-time friends-slash-rivals-slash-collaborators. Um, most notably on the uh, short-lived but wonderful um, alt- sort of uh, alternative panel show, We uh, we Want Answers, with uh, those two and Mark Watson. Oh, yeah. And then Mark Watson would later show up into another. And then in the one we watched today, Rod Gilbert, which is a longtime partner of <laughs> Craig David, which yep. I think works so much on the show is if you know their history in comedy, to have these people show up as the contestants for a for a series, which could last anywhere from five episodes to ten episodes, you get a real overlaying arc to how they think. Yes, and uh, so one one thing we haven't described yet is the actual format of the episodes. Yes, so <clears throat> instead of like with twenty people or ten people, this is played with just five episodes per season. In each episode, it is played with four or five, sometimes even six tasks. In each of these tasks, it will be judged and criticized by the taskmaster himself, who will be offering points. Typically in like a Formula One kind of uh, ranking of five for first place, four for second place, three for third place, two for fourth place, and last place gets one point. But sometimes he can offer bonus points or disqualify anyone for any reason whatsoever. The first task that we see in every episode, no matter what it is, is the prize task. Because not only are they playing for points to win the game, but they're also playing for win the series champion prize, which is a trophy. In season one, it was a bowling trophy. In season two, in series two and beyond, it was a trophy of Greg Davies's head. Yeah, which is just is one of the most hideous things on I, TV. I don't know what you're talking about. That head is very, very beautiful. And might I say, great on any uh, shelf that you could even give it a little smooch to. I don't you think could. I'm going to win any points by doing this. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it depends how narcissistic Greg is feeling when you describe how much you want to smooch his golden head. <laughs> so we have a price task. And the price task is basically kind of like the most adjective noun. So the episode we saw today had the boldest belt. And every yes. one of these players, all five of them, must go to the studio and bring with them the boldest belt. Some of them are stuff that they brought at home. Uh, and I think originally, early on, it was just like shit around their house. But, yeah, like a white elephant thing. Yeah, but then I think they kind of realized that kind of would just lo- it'd be kind of less fun that way. That they kind of expanded upon it that you can just buy the stuff. You can just find it or make it or whatever. And Yeah, so you get so you get things like uh bring the most magnificent stationery. Or I think one was the best thing that begins with the letter G. So then of course like someone obviously be like, I brought gold. <laughs> I brought <Yeah. laughs> And then it's like, Well, I just brought some guacamole. I made it myself. Yeah. <laughs> 
and it's like uh. it's so it's so it's always like and it's just all this and it's kind and what i love about the prize task is even though it's like the most adjective now my best was like um and there's like a whole like they even like go through like there's episodes guys of like what is every prize task whatsoever uh the one we saw that was bolus belt so we saw things like a wrestling belt that was like a toy to yeah, like there was, a, a, there was a custom neon pink belt with like a lion's head yes to which rod gilbert decides i'm just going to get a stuffed goat and attach it to a belt and call it yeah it's it's basically a cod piece with a goat's head this is this is the game this is a game show and 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 for contrast um james acaster brought just a bunch of um fizzy belts from a sweet shop yeah just like those those like like five five pence candy yeah and it's like so here's someone who spent like literally like 300 pounds on this custom creation versus i'm just going to something from the tuck shop yeah and of course, uh, it, it creates a lane of contrast. Like, I spent money on this, and you spent no money on this. And Greg, yeah. who's the taskmaster, and gets to rank what is the best of these five, gets to do like his approval. And you see that sometimes money is, is all that's needed to win, and sometimes not so much. Yeah, there's a really good blend of, um, of criteria that tasks especially the prizes are ranked on because sometimes it can be some really interesting lateral thinking sometimes it's an appeal to his own sensibilities or personality or emotions and sometimes it's just something absolutely crap that is nonetheless loved yes like like at one point like uh, best sound was a prize oh gosh yes <laughs> the best ah. Uh... And it's and it the thing it's like the criteria is it's all lateral thinking. That's like the big hook of Taskmaster is the lateral thinking. But we'll get into that in just mm-hmm. a second. Um, it's it's the it, this is the perfect word. If even if you've never heard of any of these contestants, any of these celebrities, any of the comedians at all, this is a great introduction to the way they think in the show and the way that they view the world, which is necessary for when you get to know the 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 story that they're trying to sell. On in, in the edge in every episode of the season, so yeah. for Greg, it's like, mmm, candy. I do like candy, but you know, that's just a crappy candy, and I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, and sometimes even something that is like sentimental is put up on the block, and then Greg's like, oh, that's so nice, and oh, I can't believe you did that. One point. Yep. <laughs> Oh, it's so it, it create and it's always the first point and that's how everyone starts out the show and we now know the ranking because now everyone gets five four three two one unless you know bonus points or pair like they're both joint first or joint second and then we're introduced to a task so the, the tasks, tasks are mostly oh. sent at a fancy little home that's <laughs> uh located i believe near like a golf course in i jeez because that house has now been like they have to kind of almost in Cheswick, I think in Cheswick, and they they now actually have to like rent that house a little bit more <laughs> than they do for the show. Because <laughs> uh, originally the idea was to be in every one of the comedians' homes, but then because oh, of really? cost and budget, they just decided no, it's easier if we just did it in this one place that we can just kind of fantasize it as being the house of the taskmaster. Yeah, and it's just this. It's 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 quite a nice house, you know. It's got a it's got a it's got a big garden. It's got a statue. 
There's a little caravan. There's a shed. There is a shed uh, full of all sorts of things. A nice kitchen, a laboratory for some reason. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Well, I think the laboratory is just like a side room or a guest room that they filled with uh, plastic sheeting. Yes, because some of these things do get a little messy for fun. Very uh, messy. I believe also there is one that's also like a mini studio, like for green screen effects and all that. Um, so, and the shed is basically like it starts out as a modern tool shed, but then based on the task at hand, because they know people are going to look in the shed for items, it just becomes a miscellaneous like garage of random, like like in like pool noodles are suddenly there, or you see yeah, like or, just, or like a wheelbarrow and that oh, kind of thing. A wheelbarrow full of, of, of or, or wheels of cheese. Like, why are wheels of cheese in the shed, not in the kitchen? <laughs> so, uh, every single one of these contestants are given about, like, about 30 to 40 tasks uh, per season. And some are done at home in, in, in the Taskmaster realm, all done almost one after the other. And then others are in other locations that are scouted out throughout the series. A uh, notable thing I need to bring out here is that the uh, the director for the show is Andy Devonshire. Uh, Andy is, is also is is not only a great director on Taskmaster, but I've already gave him praise in an earlier episode for the Great British Bake Off. No. Yes, he's the director for Great British Bake. He is the Great That's British Bake Off. Wild. No wonder they were able to get both Mel and Noel for one for one series. Then that was the funniest because that was right when they recorded that right before the news that Mel left. <laughs> oh my gosh! Of course they did. <laughs> and if you remember, that was also the series where they had the 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 task of destroy this cake in a beautiful way. Yes, which is one of the best tasks. It was absolutely inspired. It is. It, it, this is what I love. It's this creativity thing. So when they get to the task, they fall into three categories. Uh, one is race task. Complete this the fastest, or because it never they don't really want to do slow because they want to just keep going as much as possible. Yeah. So it, it's do this fastest time wins. Uh, second is basically a numeric task. Get the furthest, get the most, get the blah in the on time. You have ten minutes, and then others are creative tasks. Make the best. Yes. Also, there's a most accurate is often a thing. Most accurate, and those are usually judged by uh, by Greg as the taskmaster. Yeah. To, to decide uh, what's the best. Uh, so in every one of these, every one of these tasks, it is shown in an iconic wax seal with the Taskmaster logo, which it looks like a trademark symbol. It does. Uh, wax sealed on a piece of paper and all written up in a typewriter. That's right. All of them are. I don't know if it's legit typewritten for every one of these tasks, or is it just like a typewriter font on a piece of paper and then they print them the out? The aesthetic is very good, though. It gives you the air of like an old turn of the century, not this century, last century, uh, gentleman's club kind of thing. And and these all involve basically like one or two sentences, and then they have to start. Because every one of these tasks basically just says, blah, blah, you have blank minutes, your time starts now. Alternatively, it is you have two hours, or, or, or in the event of one that is done in studio, you have six months, your time starts now. Yes. And it, it it creates these little level, like, some of them just go straight into it. Like, it says, put, like, get the key, get the tea bag into the cup in the, f- the, f- the furthest possible. Your time starts now. So you're just going to see people yeah. just throw a, in, a blank tea bag, just a dry tea bag into a cup. And then they're <laughs> going to go further and further and further. 
then someone might think scientifically and go, wait, it gets it acts like a little beanbag if you put water on it. So then it becomes actually. Yeah, easy. then you could aim it more and you have more more sway over it. But then because it's further, further is distance. Furthest distance wind. It doesn't necessarily mean from like a plane that is, you know, horizontally. I can go vertically in this. I'm going to get on a ladder and drop it into. And that yeah, counts. Like every, every, ta- every task has some kind of twist that either the players or the or the rules allow for. And some of the, like the best parts of the task, and I think that some of the best tasks are the ones where there is enough lateral thinking or enough wiggle room that people can really go wild with it. Uh, one of the most infamous ones is uh, get this potato into the red-green. You may not oh, touch yes. the red-green. And it's basically just like a, a basic golf task, but it's you throw if you just throw the potato into the hole, like that's it. You have to now fetch it, the, the game ends. But if you put the potato into like on the green, well now you're screwed because you have to find a way to fetch it. Yeah, and of course uh, a lot of the tasks do involve the threat of disqualification. Disqualification means no points. Yeah, which uh, can make or break how you do in a particular. Episode. episode if, you, if you pick something that's sentimental and you don't know the, the order of which these games are played yeah yeah exactly yeah because they they film these in bulk in i think a couple of months um but then they're edited together and they're presented during the the filmed uh episodes um in a seemingly random order they it's um, seemingly and random because, uh, and for continuity, during all of the tasks um, that aren't in, you know, all, all the film tasks, the uh, contestants all dress in the same outfit, which I quite like. They so are. For instance, everyone um, basically in, uh, they're all in a costume now. That's all. So they yeah, do play and, and the increasingly role of. Costume. So um, the, the two best costumes include uh, in Series 7, which is uh, the one we watched an episode from, Phil Wang, amazing comedian Phil Wang. Uh, he spent the whole time dressed in a uh, Bruce Lee Game of Death yellow and black um, onesie um, that was uh, that left little to the imagination. <laughs> it, you really could see Phil Wang. Yeah, you could indeed see Phil's Wang the entire time. And, it, and there was always a moment in every single episode where the camera would have just... It's just him, you know, head to toe on camera, and, and you can see everything. And it's always distracting. <laughs> And it's always. Meanwhile, Rod Gilbert was like just in like almost in the central was like a black t-shirt in the little sport coat like that. No, yeah, Rod, Rod, yeah, like Rod Gilbert is dressed like uh, you know he's doing the electronics for Nine Inch Nails or something. Like it's just like somewhere very casual wear, somewhere very formal wear, and and yeah, I, 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 I props to the I, costume I, department or props to them for deciding what is the one that represents me the most. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And um, Lou Sanders on uh, the most recent series, Series 8, she wore like an athletic get-up, but on the back it said Taskmaster Winner Series 8. And sure enough, she won. And, and oh, sure spoiler, enough, she won. Uh, yes, spoilers. <laughs> but it, it works on so many levels, uh, the costume design of this. And I think it's also because of the, the, the challenge themselves. Because uh, remember, yeah. one was get your clothes on your person the furthest, the fastest. <laughs> so I think that yeah. kind of after that one, they also, 
there were a few tasks that uh the series one had a challenge that uh, that went on air and then they kind of went yeah we're never doing that one again where they were at a shopping mall and they were basically the the task was high five a 55 year old (laughs) oh gosh wow yeah that did happen didn't it i think um and i I believe frank skinner basically just said can you just lie and say you're 55 (laughs) yes i remember that now so so they had a i mean that aired because at the time they only only had so many tasks but it, it basically after that series season they went no more of that because then it becomes a prank show and we're not doing a this is not impractical jokers yeah no no they're, they're, this is a, this is a serious test of uh, wit and skill it's and i i mean i would say unlike that because it's because it, it is serious wit and skill this is basically if you want them to fail it has to be at their own <laughs> like yeah the, yeah there is almost there i can't think of any situations where uh, a, where a failure or like a, a sudden turnaround is not the fault of the contestant themselves. And that's the comedy aspect of it. Uh, yeah. One of my favorites uh, showed up was I was over in uh, <clears throat> with Series 2, actually. With Series 2, when they had Catherine Ryan win uh, that one. But it was with uh, Richard Osman, yeah. Richardson, Wilkinson, and Doc Brown. Basically, everyone who's on AF 10 Katzo's countdown these days. <laughs> God, yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, so the one was it was get the yoga it was get these yoga balls onto the mat on that hill. Yes. Uh, and basically, Osmond read it as just get it on the mat that's on the hill. So he just ran up the hill, grabbed the mat, and then put it on the balls. Yeah. Well, everyone else was trying to juggle, <laughs> and it's that kind of yeah. level. It's that it's that kind of thinking, and then. Of course, as you did it, your interpretation, everyone else did it the, the rough way. Of course, now in studio, because everyone sees how everyone did in these great little video packages, they now start yelling at each other like, That's yes. against the rules! You can't do that! <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So the, um, one thing, I, I took a couple of notes while we watched um, the episode we watched before recording, and um, uh, Carrie Godleyman at one point um, says to Alex, Are we very restricted by uh what you have available in the house and alex says um very much so (laughs) very much so yeah so the episode we saw today was series seven episode two my eyes are circles with james a caster jessica nappett carrie gilman uh philip wang and ron gilbert uh the prize was the boldest belt then task one that we saw was write a 10 word story before you reach the finish line you must be running while riding. Fastest across <laughs> the finish line with a proper story wins. Your time starts now. So in that task, so which is... Yeah. So already, already, as a listener, I imagine you're thinking, okay, what story would I write? How do I write while running? What kind of structure do I want to put in this? Is speed important? Speed has to be important, but then that might make the story suffer. So already, just from this small, stupid idea... There are so many directions that you can take it. Or you can just start running aimlessly right now and just go, ah, yep. uh, oh, jeez, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is what, which is, uh, it's a valid approach. So then, uh, and remember, it's only 10 words. So then they start counting the words. Someone got DQ because they used 14. Another uh, basically no. took the longest because they just kept walking. Another didn't even write the answer because they had a... No, <laughs> Rob Gilbert just... He, he crossed the line and then collapsed. But 
Rods was the most creative because his story described how he ran and crossed the finish line in 10 minutes and 12 seconds. And he got Alex, Alex who is attendant at all the tasks, Alex to time 10 minutes and 12 seconds before Rod crossed the line and collapsed, thus making his story a documentary. And that actually gave him a bonus point. <laughs> yeah. And Alex Horn, even though he is the creator of all this, does not nudge or tell him what to do. He has to sit there and basically be this impartial, schlubby guy that's just like, well, make good, make good choices. Make good choices. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He, like, he, he, answer, he answers some questions, but usually his answer is, well, all the information's on the task. All the information's on the task, unless it's something that's kind of like a lateral thinking answer. Like, yeah, hey, exactly. Alex, I need your help. It says yeah. I can't touch the the ball, but you can, right? Yeah. <laughs> can you touch least, that ball for me and put it over here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least Alex being instrument, and not just Alex, but sometimes just like members of the camera crew and so on. Yeah. Being instrumental in securing people victory, which is and, and then sometimes really like even though he said no, to, and in that one series, I believe it was series three, it was the get the water into the bucket. Ah. Uh. And Alex basically helped only one of the players and not anyone else. And I think it was, uh, I think, no, it was, it was, uh, the, 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 I think that was the, the Al Murray. Al Murray paid him to help him out. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and, and everyone else was told no. And then Greg found out, wait, you told everyone else no, but it was okay for Al Murray. <laughs> and just punished him on set like a... How dare you? <laughs> ah. So speaking of punishment, we really should talk about Greg and Alex's on-screen relationship and how it's evolved. Yes. So we already mentioned how they're kind of like a like a supervillain and his and his right-hand man. But also there there's like a weird paternal thing going on. Yes. But also there's there's almost a romantic thing going on. There's like there is an awful lot of uh, well, there's enough queer baiting to fill an entire AO3 tag for sure. There we go. <laughs> if you have an AO3 of Alex Horn and Greg Davies, please send it over to Jordan. I'm looking it up right now. Um, in fact, that's your task. Write the best fan fiction <laughs> with Greg and Alex. You have seven days. Best wins. Your time starts now. There you go. Uh, so, when it, so it, yeah, originally it was supposed, it, it came across like, here is like the the countdown dictionary corner, and I'm the host. Let's do playful banter. Hi, hello. <laughs> All right, that's it. <laughs> and um, and then it slowly yeah, progresses I, into basically uh, the character of Greg Davis ruining his life. Yeah, like the episode we watched, like it starts with Alex. Um, just just as a as a silly prop gag, Alex. Uh, shows up at the start wearing uh, a beard snood, like a little hairnet on his beard, which Greg just grabs and stretches. <laughs> and, and you can see the, genu the genuine discomfort on Alex Horn's face because he knows that it's going to be let go and elastically pinged back into his face. And just the, the anticipation and just the childishness. And meanwhile, the <laughs> audience is just cheering on Greg. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, also, update, uh, on AO3, there are 75 works in the Greg Davies slash Alex Horn tag. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, goody. Keep it coming, folks. 
you too can walk away with points. This one's 25,000 words long. Is it, what, if this was a, what if this is an upcoming task? You never know. You're, you're right, it might be. I, I won't spoil myself, then. What if uh, this, this, this is... Uh, what did Joe Braden wrote that? You never know. Oh, yeah. So um, the, uh, the contestants for next series have been announced, and I am very excited. David Baddiel, uh, Ed Gamble, yep. Joe Brand, Katie Wicks, and Rose uh, Madafail. Which, by the way, that means this is the first time it's three women. That's true. Usually it's two and three. Uh, two women, three men. Early on, it was only one. It was only one. (laughs) Real early on. Oh, yes. Yeah. Originally, yeah, Rasheen Conanty was on her own, and so was Catherine Ryan. Uh, And then in Series 3, it was Sarah Pascoe. Yeah, yeah. Um, Um, But no, I I do like that, um, as as with a lot of the, the best kind of creative comedy, there is very rarely an appeal to just kind of like, uh, dull stereotype or any anything anything obvious like that. Um, part, and and as as a side effect, because none of the tasks are are specifically you know like boy tasks or girl tasks or anything like or that. Ages. Or, or anything. Not even ages tasks. Even the race no. challenges are not like a running race. It's usually like, can you just yeah. get this ball over there? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, and I, I in series eight, I think it was. Um, there was a uh, make the longest noise uh, while running, and so yeah, you get you got to get as far as you can, but you also have to be constantly making the same noise while you run. So it's never just an athletics thing; it's never just uh, a physical ability thing, which I quite like. Uh, so uh, our second task was a team task. We didn't bring these up; they're a team task also on the show. There the are rare team occasion tasks. where, even though everyone's an individual. Some of these are paid as a team, usually a team of two and a team of three, much like blockbusters, right? <laughs> I never made that connection, but yes, you're right. Is two heads better than one, or in this case, three? Uh, in the uh, one we it's... saw, uh, they had to draw cards from a playing card deck, uh, and then whoever had the highest number drawn had to wear a blindfold. The other two had to sit on stools. Paint yes. the best picture of this still life. The painter must remain blindfolded throughout. The other person may not move from their chair and may only say the following words. Banana. Down. Left. Less. More. Pick. Right. Up. Whoops! You have ten minutes. Your time starts now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so I, and like while we were watching it, I was saying how, oh yeah, so what I would do, I would come up with like a code. So like, okay, banana actually means this you know well, I mean, banana might mean like okay stop that kind of stuff yeah and sure enough sure enough that is the uh that's that's the uh the, the tactic that uh uh jessica nappett and uh carrie godleman the girls did employed together yeah so you just heard up up left 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 banana <laughs> yeah exactly um whereas um the three the three guys decided well there's nothing in the rules that say that say that one of the non-blindfolded players can't just grab the painter's arm and do it by proxy. <laughs> and so you get James Acaster standing there blindfolded and you know giving up his fate to the <laughs> to the artistic skills of Rod Gilbert, who's just using his arm. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh... And and it's and it's the, the the reason that I think the team tasks work so well in terms of balance. Uh, if we can, if we can talk about some game theory, of course, um, this is what this whole this whole show is about. 
Yeah, so you you would think that for most tasks, especially tasks involving you know quantities of things or uh, you know anything that where you'd think that uh, that more people equals more successful. Um, the thing is that all five contestants are celebrities, often co- often comedians, and comedians very rarely work in groups for this kind of thing. And so having three people in your team doesn't necessarily mean you will be better at all. And in fact, just the number the number of clashing personalities, which is often the case with the way they set up the teams, um, can mean absolute shambles. And not only that, but then you can... Because uh, some of these are usually creative tasks. You'll then have a conflict of, I want it my way, no, it's this way. Oh. And it just, it just ends up... Uh, usually stonewalling one of the players and then it just ends up being a mess um yeah yeah but which makes it when there is actual proper teamwork going on which does happen it feels even more special and and like you're kind of proud of them like yeah you did it together as a group or as a pair uh task three was one after that after this nice creative task predict what contestant selects and uses and then chooses themselves then use one of these items yourself. You get five bonus points if the other contestant successfully predicts the item you chose yourself. And of the yeah. three items was an air horn with, with safety earmuffs, an apple, and a 10-pound note. Yes. So it was kind of one of those things where it's like, I would just take the money and just walk out and say bye. Everyone picks the money. Yeah, yeah, we were both, yeah, we were both saying, well, I mean, I really could use a tenner right now. And in fact, um, uh, Jessica Navitt correctly predicts that Kerry will just grab the tenor and leave. Yeah. Whereas all, whereas uh, yeah, the other three, they do an air horn. Um, Jess, Jess really likes doing an air horn noise. We discovered, and then to the just point where she doesn't like, even ah. press the button. <laughs> yeah, she, she she doesn't press the button. She just goes ha because she because her real answer was she took the money, <laughs> but she wanted to have that that thrill. <laughs> Yep, and then the funny one was one saying, "Well, Rod Gilbert is Welsh, so he probably just took the air horn and blasted onto the ten-pound note and screamed in the Queen's face." Yes, and then sure enough, (laughs) Rod Gilbert takes the air horn, has the Queen's money, and then goes in front of (laughs) of Alex Horn's face, who then's like, "Alex, come here." Uh, it's always great when they involve Alex because he has such an expressive face, especially when it comes to fear. And... Oh, he is so nervous, especially when it comes to like a food-based task. Oh yes, oh yes. I mean, even way back, like one of the very first tasks of the whole show was, um, I think, yeah, just eat as much watermelon as you can in a minute. Yes, and and. Like occasional, the occasional shot of Alex watching watching these grown ups shred watermelons apart with their bare hands. Sometimes, no. My favorite it's part lovely. was in that in that early task. The eat the melon was it was just it, like one decided I'm just going to blend it up and just drink it casually. Yeah, one just took the melon, just smashed it on the floor. Yeah, I think that was Ramesh uh, Ranganathan. Just grabbed the melon. Tosses on the floor, it explodes, gets down, eats the bits. And the thing is, they have like to quantify it. <laughs> so it's well, we started out with a two and a half pound, and now it's <laughs> down to one pound of what we have left. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Task four, draw the biggest and best circle. Your circle must be done in one complete sweep. You have 10 minutes. Uh, this, this one was... <laughs> this one was the source of uh, one of the best moments in the whole show for me, which is James Acaster's attempt. So, uh, so while the when you're other thinking four, circle, you're thinking like get a piece of paper and a little circle. I'm guessing because that's the normal reaction. Yeah, well, yeah, that, well, that's what Rod Gilbert did. He got a, he got a, a big map and he drew around a circular thing to make a big circle. But um, then his the rationale other, is, yeah. but look at the map, the distance yes. of all that. Yeah. and that a... reasoning was counted. As part of the point, uh, the point distribution by Greg at the end, um, uh, the the other three ended up drawing big circles outside. Um, one, uh, one using chalk, one using a highlighter, which didn't work. Of course, because um, you know highlighter. If you're going to draw something yeah. outside, <laughs> yeah, a highlighter doesn't show up on tarmac. <laughs> um, and uh, Carrie Godleman, uh, lucky for her, it was snowing on the day she was recorded she was recording so she just got a big stick and twirled around in a circle and drew a really big circle in the snow and it looked great and then james acaster for what for whatever reason decided right i know what i'll do i'll get a hula hoop and a, a small bike from the shed and i'm gonna hula hoop while riding the bike and then i'm the, trying to do circles and circle laps with the hula hoop and the bike yeah, he he gives up within two or three minutes, and, and he then stops kind of collapses at the sundial where there is a night and a circle clock, and he points <laughs> like, "Look, all these circles, hula hoop, bicycle, the clock's a circle." I meant and to do Alice, that. Alice just says, uh, "It's not most circles." And there's a moment where where you can see this like absolute fury behind James James Acaster's eyes before he decides, nah, I'll I'll just try and talk my way out of this. And then his and then his sentence, because the episode was called My Eyes Are Circles. Yeah, is when Greg asks him to explain himself. <laughs> and he says, Oh my eyes are circles. And it just creates this level of panic that is just so enjoyable. It's lovely. And then at it's the really end, lovely. And then finally we end with a live task where everyone must perform a task on stage in front of the audience as they were already watching all these videos and joking at each other and through all these judgments. Yeah. And, it, and the one we saw was basically can stacking while in a hoop. Yeah, which only one of them, Rod Gilbert, was smart enough to uh, to move the hoop around him. And then it ultimately went to a tie uh, between uh, yes. Jessica Nappett and Carrie. Uh, which was fun. Yeah. Where it was, I'm thinking of a number between one and a hundred. No, it was. It wasn't even that. Oh, it was, was like... uh, guess the number written on Alex's forearm. Yes. And so the Kerry guessed. I think she guessed uh, seven. Um, Jessica guessed one thousand six hundred and sixty-six. And then, as he looks up, it's like you see a one. Then you see a five. Then he uncovers it's like 54.5. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, the bonus point goes, and there's your winner, Carrie Gold. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and and she wins five bold belts. Like, it's like a, like yeah. the price is right. She won the showcase. She's a yeah, big winner. In the, yeah, in, the, in the, the fiction of the show, 
um, they then get those things to take home. Although one wonders how many of the things actually do get taken home because sometimes they're like something really unpleasant or something that is like an actual beloved item belonging to another contestant. Well, uh, I can answer that for you. Oh, please do. So uh, when they get the prize, that, that quote unquote is theirs. They have technically won the prize, but mm. they can do whatever they want at their own discretion. So if they want to give it back to them, they can. And most likely they do. Okay, that's that's fair. Yeah, uh, it, it's typically d- done as as a bit, typically because they're all comedians. They know this is all a bit. Yeah, but if it's something like a like a tiny prize or something large and extraordinary, it's like I'll keep it just as a novelty. Of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I see that. I I do. Part of me wishes that no, you have to take this home. This is legally no longer theirs. I mean that that's the joke they always try to push is it's no longer theirs. You have to take these yeah. five heavy things home. Which was which is great. <laughs> and I love uh. that cuz then I love it cuz it's all the creativity of the show. So after we go through like five or six of those episodes, then uh we we count every point from all of the episodes up and whoever has the most, which will then be in the hundreds will be the series winner and get the 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 smoochable Craig Davies skull. <laughs> yes, uh, and then after the first five series, um, the five winners of series one to five came back for a two-part special called the uh, Champion of Champions. And uh, the, the instead of playing for the 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 nice pretty face of Greg Davis as a trophy, because he already won it, they yeah. get to play for the full body. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is inspired, honestly. <laughs> What's better than just the head of Greg Davies, his tall, muscular body as well? Uh, the, my, one of my, I guess I have to say my favorite part of the Champion of Champions, the whole thing, was just the stupidity of, uh, on, the, on the, I think it was the second part, as part of the intro, they had to sing along to the Taskmaster theme. Duh, and whoever duh, sounded duh. the most powerful and champion-like won, won a bonus point. And uh, by the way, shouts to Drew Masters for that song. <laughs> uh, the composer oh, yeah. for that. The the funny part about that, ironically, was that the winner of Champion Champions was Josh Whitaco. <laughs> yep. So because he was the only one that never won the Greg Davies head, he won the bowling trophy. <laughs> the idea was supposed to be the big hole. You put the head ensemble together, and we created the full Greg Davies. But he only had a, bo- a bowling trophy, so it became a horrible bowling trophy homunculus. Bowling trophy head of Greg Davies. Yeah, which I'm pretty sure is like a, a minor character that will be showing up in One Punch Man Series 3. Very. <laughs> and I think the. And then one of the most infamous parts of that uh, was because in. For Series 1, it was a give a task to the Taskmaster with 20 quid. Yep. And Josh Whittacombe decided, I'm going to tattoo the word Greg on my foot. For 20 pounds, yeah. That, yeah, it was buy the best present for the Taskmaster. And he, yeah, he spent 20 pounds on a tattoo on his foot. And, and he actually got tattooed. And then, like... Yeah. Tattoos are, like, one of the most painful kind of tattoo you can get. And then he's, like, rubbing it, like, this is just marker. This is just... Clearly, this is fake. You're just... And then when he realized it's real, he... Greg just busted out laughing, going, yep. Why did you do this? <laughs> yeah. You've, you've, like... Oh. You've permanently etched my name into your foot for like five points. That's what does your wife think? <laughs> uh, and so, so 
I have various that we've let's see what they do. What happens each round? We already talked about that. What is the format? We talked about that. What do they win? Random assortment of shit and a nice smoochable face. Uh, we talked about the Edinburgh. There's also been a book. There's a book out now. There um, is. I don't have a copy. Oh, uh, well, I, I have, have it right here. Hang on. Oh, now you're just rubbing it in. So, oh. the book is called Taskmaster 200 Extraordinary Tasks for Ordinary People by one Alex Horn. Little Alex Horn. Yep. Um, all right, so I'm just going to list off one that's randomly here. Uh, okay, so uh, this is task number 36 of 200. It's a social task. Everyone can pee at the same time. Uh, holding a spoon in each hand, throw an object with one spoon and catch it in the other. The Ooh, spoons must be at least one meter apart at all times. Fastest <laughs> wins. Your time starts when your taskmaster claps twice. Oof. And I think he's also coming up with a board game as well. <laughs> see what? See, I think what I would do with that was I would use a floppy item that was large enough that it could drape comfortably over both the spoon and my forearm, maybe a pillow. <laughs> One meter apart. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you you could do that. It just takes the right kind of uh, lower arm movement, I suppose. I don't know. I've only just your ten seconds now. With this <laughs> Um, so also we have to bring up this as we've talked about Alex and Greg's relationship and all yeah. of the, the flirtatious AO3 <laughs> fanfics out there <laughs> uh, Dream Masters' yeah. soundtrack which works so much in this because it gives it this sort of regal, dignified sports competition Reg- I, I don't know if regal and dignified is the thing because it's it's this really nice is this really fun farty brass section because some of it does come from the horn section because performed by the horn section yeah which is uh which is amazing alex is not Um, just a comedian he's also a trained musician (laughs) (laughs) yeah the horn section being a a a live variety show that he and a bunch of his friends uh tour with which is i actually got to see a while ago and which is absolutely wonderful It's it's such a lovely time if you ever get the chance somehow then go and see the horn section because you won't regret it Go go through it, um, and the set itself. Now, yes, we talked about the Taskmaster House, but we really didn't talk about the studio set. We didn't, and it, it's the it basically because the Taskmaster colors are black and red, red because the wax seal and black because of the ink of the paper, and then of course maybe like a foggy white paper. Yeah, and there's also kind of a, a, a faux golden sheen to a lot of things, like Greg's throne and Alex's smaller throne it's, and it's just like a tinier like it's supposed to be for kids he wears like a kid-sized throne yeah and he always has to like keep ensuring people he's not the taskmaster he's the taskmaster assistant i'm the assistant i'm just the assistant um yeah so it it's this i think it was originally based off an actual because the first series was filmed in an actual theater and then i think when they went to series two and further they made just the uh, set in elstree okay I think that's what happened there. Um, they just yeah, duplicated the set. It still does look like like it's like it's being done in a a slightly fancy and sl- but also slightly rundown theater. It's a slightly rundown theater, but then you know that actually is probably it because I like it when they do that transition effect from the big screen to the 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 live task to also when they reveal all the prizes at the end. Um, oh yeah, that's always nice. So then, so let's just start the game we already did. It's five people trying to win the love of the taskmaster through a series of challenges. Uh, put forth by him, uh, and now we got to talk about the 
the fun part. This show got adapted into so many different countries. Uh, yes, you're right. It did. Belgium. <laughs> I know what's coming. Sorry. Sweden. Spain. Denmark. Uh, Belgium, it's Het Grinsleek, or The Greatest Light. I don't know why. Sweden, it's As Bas the Test, or Best in the Test. Spain, it's Hecha or Said and Done, which makes sense because it's Said and Done. Uh, yeah. What you do? Uh, Denmark, it's Stormister, which is just Grandmaster. But in America... <laughs> uh, yeah. America is just called Taskmaster. And um, I think... Do, do, do you mind if I take this one? Because, I, like I mentioned, I have opinions. Um, you, 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 know, you take this. I will just put the Taskmaster book back on the shelf and give it three smooches. <laughs> um, so Mwah. the... Mwah. Oh, wow. The microphone actually picked up the smooches. I'm very impressed. Um, so the uh, US version um, uh, aired for eight episodes in 2018, and uh, they had Reggie Watts as the host. Um uh, unlike the UK version, however, the American Taskmaster was half the length in terms of each episode. And um, it had uh, Lisa Lampanelli, uh, Ron Funches, Dylan Francis, Kate Berlant, or Berlant, I forget, and uh, Freddie Highmore as the contestants. And it had Alex Horn returning as the uh, assistant to Reggie Watts' Taskmaster. And already... Anyone who's familiar with both uh, Greg Davies and Reggie Watts, or even just either one of them, will know that they have a very, very different uh, persona to each other. So while Greg Davies is this uh, imperious, uh, self-absorbed, mean schoolteacher type, in that he used to be an actual teacher, Reggie Watts is, he's really chill and strange and just, you know, very kind of down to earth in like a cool stoner friend way. Hi, I'm back. And hi, I'm just I'm talking about the uh, the relative approaches. Oh, okay. In personality between oh, okay. Reggie and Greg. Um, so Greg Davis is boisterous. Yeah. He's, he's he's trying to be like a mean like authoritative figure. Like how dare you? Uh, blah, blah. Yeah, explain yourself. Explain and yourself. I'm the taskmaster. Greg blah, blah, does blah. go into Greg does occasionally go into like full teacher mode when he seems the upset. Wait, what, what was the one series? I, I think that was the one we saw. This series was the one with uh, James Acaster. Wait, wait, where James Acaster, having failed the circle task so badly, he tries to speak up um, a couple of minutes later, and Greg says, "How dare you speak up!" Yeah, and then earlier, like later in that series, he says, "Like fuck you, Greg," and he's like, "What? Come yeah. here! Come here!" Yeah. <laughs> I know you're trying. And I know you're a proper talking to me. Reggie, on the other hand, if Greg is a boisterous, try, I would say authoritative. Yeah, he he's 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 the mean school teacher. He's the mean school teacher. He's the, like the headmaster of the, of the school. Reggie is kind of like a museum curator kind of regal. He's just like okay, I see where you're coming from. He's yeah. kind of like he's trying to be like, oh, these five are all fighting for my attention because I need an assistant. I don't need him. <laughs> And I need someone yeah, who has that same just... level of creativity as I would. Because as, as yeah. it turns out, like, with Greg's task, Greg is just mostly about him. Reggie's on the task of, I want to know who has the similar skills that I have. Yeah, it's almost like an Iron Chef approach. Yes. Um, whereas, ah, yes, I am, I am a fascinating and, and creative individual, and I seek an apprentice. Yes, Greg is, I want to humiliate these people because it's my amusement. 
<laughs> Reggie's is these tasks are basically stuff I have done before, and I know how to do everyone correctly. And these people need to get on my level if they want to win. Yeah. And so and instead right, of a so golden the, the smooching Greg Davis skull, it's a brassy Reggie head. <laughs> Yeah, which is honestly very cool. I would not mind owning a brassy Reggie Watts head. Reggie, can you I give me your head? That <laughs> <laughs> came out wrong. <laughs> it really did. Let's but, move uh, on. Um, so it, and, and another thing aesthetically that's very different is the Taskmaster house. Whereas in the UK version, it's uh, you know it's it's just a house in quite a dull part of the country. Um, in the Reggie Watts version, it's like a California beach house almost, or at least a, a an LA style. You know, home with a pool and uh, yeah, nice and, like summer, and, you know, like a nice it's, it's uh, sunny. It's I would say like it's it's in California. It it's very yeah, it's, it's Bojack Horseman's house basically. It's Bojack Horseman's Hollywood Hills uh, house. Hollywood, Hollywood. Um, yes, the <laughs> one for Diane. We have to keep remembering that series one episode. Uh, ah. so. <laughs> um, so um, I mentioned that the uh, the American version is half the length. Yes. Uh, in terms of episodes. And for me, that's the part that really scuppers it in terms of quality. It's not a bad show. In isolation, just on its own, if you didn't know about the, the UK one, if you've never seen the UK one, it's fun. There are some really fun moments and there there are some there are some uh, fun tasks. You, most of the tasks are just uh, taken again from the UK version. Um, there are a couple of original ones. But the fact that you spend less than half the time mm-hmm. with the contestants over the course of the series, like eight episodes, but each episode is only about 20, 22 minutes long. Yes. And not only does that mean that you spend a lot less time with the contestants, but it means that the individual episodes are a lot more rushed. Jokes don't have enough time to land properly. You don't have enough time, especially, to cultivate the kind of character arcs or growth of an in-joke. Or even have a banter, the defense of my task. I did it this way because I thought this was the right... You said this, I did it this way. Yeah, there's very little in terms of uh, explanation. There's very little uh, non-essential banter, I suppose. Which is what, like, if you're doing an American version, that would be the part where it would succeed the most because most American reality shows, especially like an apprentice here, is all about defending myself and throwing everyone under the bus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I understand why they did it, because, oh, it's a comedy show. Comedy shows are always 22 minutes long. Boom, done it. Print, I'm off to the golf course. But the but, worst part is, when they aired these in the U.S., they aired them back to back. So they had 44 minutes. That's enough for one episode. You're joking. I That's am not kidding. Ridiculous. So the whole reason they did half hour made no sense. Wait, so that means you only have the equivalent of four episodes. Yes, four, four. It's if they only had room to just do like one or two. Oh, that's a real shame. I'm even sadder about the American version now. And so, another, and so the so apart from length and stuff, the one thing that is missing the most from the American Taskmaster for me, and it applies to a lot of uh, American versions of English things. Yeah, not just game shows, but TV shows in general, is that we in the UK in terms of our media tend to be a lot less glitzy. And if we are glitzy, we are glitzy in a self-aware way. What I mean by that is that, for instance, your version of Deal or No Deal, right? Yes. The, uh, with, is it Howie Mandel? Howie Mandel, the bald dude. Bobby from Bobby's World. (laughs) 
I, I've never experienced Bobby He's now a judge on America's Got Talent, so... Is he now? Okay, well, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for you, Howie. Uh, but so, um, the contestant, it's a, it's a big glitzy studio. It's all very, you know, it's, it's all, all very uh, casino chic. Yes. Does that make sense? Um, and uh, you're choosing from uh, from suitcases. Like, security briefcases. So, yeah, security suitcases held up by glamour models, basically. Yes. In the UK version, um, it's a small studio. Uh, you're hosted by Noel Edmonds, who used to present like Whole house party tv for kids yep swap shop which <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um the the incredibly sinister noel Evans and um, mr blobby himself of, yeah and instead of uh briefcases held by supermodels you've got cardboard boxes held by ordinary members of the public who will then themselves become contestants and so the entire mood is completely different and oh, the entire it, aesthetic is completely different. Oh, that's going to be the whole Deal or No Deal episode is the aesthetics of different Because that one is almost like oh, a big spoiler, brother. Sorry. You get to know the contestants as each episode progresses. Exactly, yes. Um, and also here, the, where and it's also just the 44 the, minutes, here's the bit. Um, and Yeah. And, so, and ta- Taskmaster approaches things in a similar way in that a lot of the tasks sort of revel in a kind of celebrated crapness. Yes, like you need to know, like it's the it's the joy of failure. It's yeah, the... yeah, and not just the joy of failure, but the joy of failure just with ordinary household items. There is almost nothing in Taskmaster that is not as is, apart from the decorations in the house and so on. Like if if it describes a, if there's a bathtub as part of the task, it's a regular bathtub. It doesn't even have TM written on it or anything. It's just a bathtub. If you're going in the shed to find random items, they're just random items. Maybe the length of pipe is just the right length for something, but it's just a length of pipe. And and uh, and so that kind of DIY aesthetic. Oh, yeah, is and mostly, that's the appeal, I think. Is, and, and that's the kind of thing that's mostly missing from almost all of American TV, as far as I can tell. The closest thing that American TV has to the UK style, uh, you know, like cheap crapness, you know, um, it would be something like Eric Andre, where it's done as a deliberate parody of and reaction to the glitz and glamour of his of his, his uh, shows, contemporaries yes. but now he's yeah. in the lion king so <laughs> his cue rings up he is in the lion king and you know what i'm happy for him <laughs> i uh, even wrote down my taskmaster usa review oh please do so taskmaster usa failed because it was half hour and here's something you forgot to bring up the prize task the thing oh. that I love the most in in yeah. Taskmaster in UK because you get to it's an introduction to all these contestants. It was yeah. replaced with basically each person being the one to bring in their own personal possession. The yeah. prize task was a great opening round task because you never heard of these people. You would introduce them to lateral thinking, but when they pitch it to United States, they heard bring personal belongings as prizes, and I guess that's where they thought of the idea. I think uh, yeah, I think that's where it stopped. Yeah, and so now it becomes I, I, here's yeah. like a personal possession that that like that's Lisa Lampanelli's personal quilt that he she has of all her friends from the tour, or Ron Funches his first name tag when he did stand up comedy, and it's like what the fuck? Why is that the prize? Yeah, yeah, like Ron Funches is he is an incredibly talented and funny man. You know, I would like you know like. Yeah, like all of the contestants. You know, Lisa Lampanelli is a fascinating person. Like, the, and there is so little room for them to stretch out. So, like, 
most panel shows, especially the ones they have over in the UK, are just sit around and talk. Mm-hmm. And you often use that as a platform for testing out a thing of stand-up or just you know getting, getting some good lines in, right? Taskmaster forces these people so far out of their comfort zones that by the last couple of episodes of each series, they are visibly changed by the experience. You know, like like in the like in the last in the last series, um, series eight, um, Ian Sterling, one of the, one of the contestants, who was a children's like, presenter, like who, who, was, who, who like who works in children's TV, um, he was he was suffering through some of the last the later episodes just from the the accumulated stress and arbitrary bullshit that he had been put through, and that was glorious. Because it was not just like he has to re- keep his reputation as a children's presenter in check. It's also <laughs> he is it's, like frustrated it's... and annoyed. And he's like, I did everything right. I did everything by the books. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so to not allow that space for growth and evolution and even just interacting, interacting with each other, because while the team tasks are not that common there is enough chat and interpersonal chatter on stage between the char- between the the contestants that you really get to know them properly and again like it comes back to the timing of the american version is that it's just too short for you to fil- to build up a proper relationship with the people the, and the casting choices were good i wouldn't point out it was really oh yeah totally uh i and i think like if it was 60 minutes and you got them to do their out of the box thinking. Also, I think Lisa Lampino was a little too aggressive on Alex, but I think that was part of her character was just fuck you, yeah. Alex. Well, I think part of that was the was the power vacuum created by Greg's absence because Reggie and Alex's relationship on screen was fine, but but that wasn't. He's that not authoritative. Reggie was not authoritative. No, no, and and so and so it was a different relationship, and and Lisa kind of filled that niche of being the mean one. You know, if you got Lisa Lampanelli to be the Taskmaster instead of Reggie, it might have worked a little that, better because she is that kind of authoritative. That, yeah. Um, well, well. Speak, speaking of character archetypes, um, I don't know if you agree with this, but it seems to me how in every series, um, each contestant mm-hmm. kind of becomes one of five archetypes. They they can become like the wild card, like the person who who ends up doing like the weird shit. You know, they they can be the person who's always trying to argue their argue the toss. They can't try always trying to talk their way into getting more point, points. There's always someone who just gets on with it. I, w- I was you know? I was I was writing that down in terms of casting. I was writing that in terms of casting wise. Yeah. Because uh, if you're doing Taskmaster USA in the hour long like the UK, featuring American comedians or Canadian, who cares? Uh, but follows the unspoken rule of two old familiars: a male old familiar, mm-hmm. female old familiar. Two young familiars, a male young comedian, female young comedian, and an outsider. Yes. Early seasons only had one female comedian, but later series it became a trio. But if you stretch it for the 44 minutes, you'll have enough for a prize task, three or four tasks, and a live task. And you'll still have time for a banner. Comedy Central was a good starting point, but it needs to fill in that hour, which, unless True TV gives it that option, it would not work. So the network, for if you're ever to do a Taskmaster USA again, would be a TBS or FXX, where It's Always Sunny airs here. Something where it's a little out-of-the-box, unordinary to have a game show. Yeah, um, I-, I will take your word for that. Most of that was just random sequences of lessons. Uh, channels. So, um, <laughs> okay, yeah. And then you were talking about, like, what are the five different criteria of, like, a, what are the, 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 the level head thinking? 
And I think that's also in terms of the casting of these contestants. Now, I think originally when they had them in mind, it's who's going to be the one that's going to fight against Greg the most? Yeah. Who is the one that's going to be too lateral for their own good and suffer? Who is the artsy one? Who is the one who's going to rock the creative? Who's one that's most most skill? Who's like the, like a like a crystal maze? Who's the most skilled person? So when oh, there's yeah, yeah. when there's a drop the ball, and then what's the and then who is the one that is clearly the most shy? I think they always have to have a shy contestant. Yeah, no, I I, I think you're right. Like on the mo- on the more re- most recent series, um, Paul Sinha, who is a, a fantastic um, comedian and also uh, brilliant trivia well. mind of the chase. The Chase, yeah. a game show. <laughs> yeah, the yeah the chase the chase is wonderful, uh, and Paul Sinha is my favorite on it. I mean, he's just great. Um, but no, but yeah, but his his personality over the course of series eight, he starts off. He's you know he's he's quite low key. He's kind of trying to puzzle things out on their own terms, and then he kind of morphs into this, into almost almost becoming the unpredictable one, which I which I really enjoyed. Like, at, but just as as the tasks go on and as the episodes go on, he becomes, it, it's almost as if oh, he, he's been here the whole time, you know, because, because just the way his personality fits into it becomes yeah. really, what am I saying? Ed, edit this shit out. I don't know what I'm talking about. I think, but I, here's <laughs> what I think you're talking about. Ready? Ready? When you watch yeah. the show, there's five different people and they all have almost a different kind of thinking even because what they don't want is everyone doing the same thing at the same time. So if everyone rolls the ball into the, the hoop, well, then it's not that fun of a task. But if yeah. someone brings the hoop to the ball or they throw the ball to the hoop or they change the ball or, or any sort of thing, that becomes a variant and it becomes an interesting thing that when you hear the task, I think, especially with friends, you, then you start talking out like what I would do in the situation. And then you hope yeah, to yeah, God yeah, one yeah. of those five did somewhat of what you did. Yeah, no, because so I've I watched most of the show with uh, with my friend Sam. Hi, Sam, if you're listening, shout out to Sam. Sam's a cool person. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we we watch it together, and we are, and as soon as we learn what the task is, we're like, okay, right, here's what I would do, and and seeing how close, not not just seeing how closely your plans would align with uh, the five contestants, but also like. One thing that that we are sh- we're shown as the audience is all of the stuff uh, that is ignored. Yeah, by the Andy, contest- <laughs> the director, is clearly giving you clues of you know. <laughs> yeah. So, for instance, in the episode we watched, um, so Kerry with the circle drawing task, Kerry starts with putting together just a really big piece of paper so she can draw a big circle on a piece of paper, and twice the camera just shows you. By the way. It's snowing outside. There's a big blanket of snow on the ground, and it's only and it's only when you know she's been working on the paper for however long. She's like, "Oh wait, can I go outside?" <laughs> uh, and sometimes there's little hidden like tasks within the task that they don't even know about. Uh, that oh also yeah, or, get even, or even clues. Like for instance, so, there was uh, ball. There's balloons. Once in one task, there was balloons that lined up that just said, "Grab two balloons and pop," but it was in Morse code. Their time That's starts not... when they pop the first balloon, no matter what. But if you just said pop the first two balloon, the two red balloons, and win, that's it. Yep. But instead, nope. <laughs> they yeah, just go I, all the... in it. Or another the... task, which was this series, was the find the pink ladies, the apple. Uh yes. So the challenge yeah, this one was find the pink ladies, 
uh, don't find the. I think it was plum. I, th- I think it was oranges. Or oranges, like and then the, the, then there was like a random fruit as well. And then, sure enough, like all around these contestants were these little codes that it was like all highlighted in the three by three grid of where all of them were hidden. Yeah, yeah, which was great. But also, um, most of the contestants in that round, as far as I can remember, um, actually did kind of use a loophole because the the all of the items they were trying to find were in the middle of picnic tables, and the picnic tables have a little hole in the middle where you're meant to put a, an umbrella. And so half of them just peeked underneath the picnic table so they could see through the hole what the items were. And so they did use a kind of lateral thinking, but one that wasn't actually mandated by the task. Which is just the most brilliant kind of thing. And it just, it gives me one to just come up with ideas for task and then you want to do oh, it yourself. Yeah. And yeah. there, and Alex is also very nice on Twitter. Little Alex Horn on Twitter uh, there's a, a lot of kids, a lot of grade school kids in Australia and the United Kingdom. Uh, they created a Taskmaster for kids. Oh, that's adorable. And he actually makes little videos for them like, Hi, hello, primary school. This is little Alex Horn. How are you? I am good. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And I think it, Alex doesn't know this yet, but I think he knows that this show is going to be a big cult hit. It already is a cult phenomenon in the UK. Oh, massively! I mean, it's eight series, and like the last, and like the last series got like 1.5 million viewers on a couple of episodes. Yes, which is which is huge, huge by the way. That is a, like a satellite channel. That's like a third of of the of anyone with cable television subscription. Kind of, yeah. So it's that that is a huge kind of number and. It also kind of, I think he knows this, and it's like, this is going to be a legacy where even if the show ends, I think Alex will have, like, Taskmaster books, even long after this is gone, <laughs> for kids that, yeah. to try and assemble. He's created a, a, a new craze. Everyone do the Taskmaster. Yeah, no, um, uh, a fr- friend of mine was actually uh, recently at a, uh, a furry convention here in the UK. Um, where they did their own version of Taskmaster as one of like the panel events. I, I'm. I, that sounds interesting. I'm going to take a guess. They weren't in their fur suits when they were doing the challenges. I believe one of them was. That's going to be tough. Especially... I, I imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> Especially there's like a running task or something oh, involving no. sight. <laughs> Two things fursuits are very bad at. Moving and seeing things. <laughs> but that's at least like it, but that shows like no, if 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 your anthropomorphic conventions out there can 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 show up and do a taskmaster, it's gonna keep yeah. going long before it's gonna be like a crystal oh, yeah, maze. I, I want I want an anime version of it, but all of the all of the contestants are cosplayers in character. I don't know how that's gonna <laughs> Just, just as a, uh, I don't know. Eat as <laughs> much rice as possible. You have ten minutes. Well, Goku just fucking won. Great. <laughs> of course, but like Goku's limits are different from the person cosplaying Goku. <laughs> uh, but yeah, why no, didn't you pick so Shinji many... to be in this Taskmaster? He didn't want to do any of the games. Ah, uh, yes, but if the if the task was uh, write a poem about your mother, Shinji would walk away with it. <laughs> We've totally now lost like half the audience here. We're referencing Japanese cartoons. All right. Yeah. The good old Japanimation. 
go for more information uh look up toonami <laughs> you uh, you nerds uh so um, so um i i think that uh it, it feels like we are gravitating toward a wrap-up but first i do want uh to mention uh a couple of really good tasks from the past that we haven't talked about yet all right um, so one of the best ones, and we mentioned the, the buy a gift for Great Davies. We talked about um, the, the balloons, which is great. Yes. Um, one, <laughs> one I really loved was um, like Alex, Alex is in the shed. He'll be in the shed for an hour. When he emerges from the shed, surprise him. And everyone thought the same idea. Bring the family out. <laughs> it was great. Well, <laughs> Al Murray um, decided to recreate like an old um movie studio intro with like 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 a a, a bald fat man in a in a loincloth like ringing a huge gong um because that's a surprise yeah and um oh who was it um oh it was uh, the, 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 in the in that Murray episode that was yeah, yeah, yeah. uh gorman no no rob yes. beckett one rob beckett one that that's that yeah that, yeah because he dressed up in but, drag <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, he, he dressed up as someone's grandma. And then sprayed water in his face <laughs> with a hose. Yeah. Yes. And, and said, um, you are a naughty boy. Go on my lap. You deserve a spanking. <laughs> uh, my favorite of them, though, was Paul Chowdhury, where he... The fuck? <laughs> so Paul Chowdhury, um, he was waiting in a box dressed as a clown, and he gets out of the box... Like to to like surprise him and go boo. He just tells, and then he just like, yeah, I've been I've been waiting in a box um, for you to come out. I'm um, dressed as a clown. Well, I figured that was gonna be. And then he said, like, he very like uh, said, climb the box. <laughs> and then I think, uh, what was it? No, Gorman's was the. There was a he faked a dead body and framed. <laughs> yes, that's right. He framed Alex Hard for murder. Uh, I love. I also loved the one where they had to uh, compose a song together in a t- in teams oh uh, uh task and berry <laughs> yes yeah they had to compose a song about um a person they just met i think yeah and that was bob mortimer's season yes the oh, bob mortimer we did, how have we not mentioned bob bob mortimer was one of the best contestants um bob bob mortimer of excellent uh english double act reeves and mortimer um known for programs like shooting stars but no bob mortimer because I mean, he's he's always had a very surreal streak, and he won that series. But, so he, <laughs> although he did with flying colors, he was he was fantastic. But he was always he he was absolutely absolutely the wild card of his bunch. The Rosalind is a fucking nightmare song. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's just a nice lady named Rosalind who's like a vegan, but she yeah. also eats chicken for some reason. Uh, uh, and there's one more that one more that I, re- I remember, which was, uh, which uh, according to this article, I was uh, I did some reading earlier. According to an article, um, according to Alex Horn, um, the ge- the contestants hated was uh, it was in season two. Um, they had to impress the mayor of Chesham, like the actual mayor of Chesham, like dressed up in his mayoral uh, medallion and everything. And uh, John Richardson. Um, <laughs> No, was it John Richardson? 
Well, no, it was Joe Wilkinson. Joe Wilkinson brought just tra- treats, just like no, Joe Wilkinson brought him just a bunch of ice lollies. And like that was, and then like Richard Osman, game show great himself, British icon of of of, of this guy right here, Jordan. He just yeah. juggled and just started reading poetry. Yeah. <laughs> and then they replicated that exact task in the U.S. version. Fun fact, to the mayor of Westlake Village is right next door to where I'm from, Thousand Oaks. So. Oh, wow. So I know exactly that building. And it was kind of funny seeing uh, what was the idea of, uh, was simply just rearrange furniture and throw glitter at everything. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm impressed <laughs> you by redecorating your office. <laughs> so, yeah, like, there was oh, there was so much potential in the American version of this. Because there are some things which are quintessentially, you know, British-ish that you can't recreate. Because the British, but... well, British game shows reward cleverness. They reward being clever, thinking outside the box decrypting, recrypting, all that 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 level-headed thinking that comes with wordplay. Americans is just gung ho. Like if it just says jump. America, yeah, America uh, American game shows seem to be and obviously I haven't watched nearly as many as you because you're you know, you're the podcaster, I'm not. Um but American game shows, even the even the 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 comedy ones tend to be focused on do the most of something or the slapstick of you fell in the water. Oh, well, well, yeah, but that that that's either you do the most or you fall in some water kind of thing. Hee hee. Hee hee hee. Are we doing the Jimmy... Uh, the, we're doing the Charlie Brooker. The Charlie Brooker yep. <laughs> you have been watching bit. He don't fall oh, in the water. Char- Charlie Brooker is part of my uh, dream Taskmaster lineup. See, that's the that's my one of my icons. It's like right there. Brooker. <laughs> that's... <laughs> He had a show about television once. Why can't I? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, uh, he also used. To, he also got to start uh, writing for gaming magazines in the UK. I, I and and be little uh, writers and prank call to bring people to, and then get a side gig on Games Master. Yeah, it's wild. All right, wild times. So yeah, so that's your. Is that you're going to your Dreamcast? You're getting Brooker. Uh, <laughs> Um, I actually had it written down somewhere, but I forget where I forget where I wrote it down. Um, one second. Richard Iowati. Uh, he would be very good. I think I'm gonna put Richard Iowati on it. I would because I think he would be similar to, because because that might work. You then you I probably want to have Mel. Uh, we already had we had we had to have Sue Perkins. We had to have Sue because we already had Mel. Oh, Sue Perkins would be fantastic. Sue Perkins is uh. She she is a consummate professional, but also she's got a real strangeness streak. Um, that would make it very amusing. Yeah, I think we. I, the thing is, we have to figure out like who hasn't shown up yet that would be also willing to and be funny with Richard Iwati. I think Brooker would be a fun outsider person because he's not a comedian necessarily. Um, uh, okay. Uh, oh, one second. Back back in a sec. Well, as he reads it off, I'm going to grab those question cards because we're about to end the... All right. So as he finds this up, uh, you know, I, I think the, like, in the American version, you'll need to have, like, Hi. different Sorry. kind there of... was uh, some noise going on downstairs, so I closed another door. Yeah, we're uh, almost done. We're good. Okay. No, I'm I'm trying to find, because I actually had, the, I had this conversation about dream lineup 
with uh, with my friend Sam a while ago, and I cannot. You need to have five. Follow the rule: two familiars, two unfamiliar youngcomers, and an outsider. That's oh, here the we go. Here we go. Okay, so yeah, so I believe so. My list was, um, and it's not just UK people. Um, Charlie Brooker, okay, Craig Charles. That would be fun. Red War. <laughs> Um, Rachel Bloom from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, she would be fun on that one. I think she would be fantastic. That's a, that's a Taskmaster contestant right there, Rachel Bloom. That's the kind of, like... Yeah, um, and, um, Hannibal Burris is another <laughs> non-UK person I would, I would love. Because, because he's, because he's often so low-key. You want to see him just, just get like pissed. quietly yeah. strange. I, I don't know, I think he might have, like, a real kind of bizarre creative streak in there and the last one was um uh, Ta- uh tamsin grieg uh, aka uh, fran from black books or uh from episodes and others and others other wonderful uh british tv shows is so, that five so, i think that's five i think that's four or five yes i think got it all right hopefully we can count to five because i have five questions in 60 seconds for you to answer oh no Okay, right, let me just... For everyone to get some plug, hopefully you can think of five things. That doesn't have to be your own shit, by the way. Just Oh, and another, oh, and another one was um, uh, Paul Merton. Paul Merton, I think, would be Okay, excellent. then, yeah, that's your, that was four. You got five. You got five. Yeah, there you go. Hooray, well, I did it. It only did. took me... That's your five plugs. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, my uh, five plugs is go, go and check out the work of these people who are a lot more famous and richer than me. So five questions, 60 seconds. Everyone you get right is one plug. Get all of them right. That's five free plugs. <sighs> okay. That's five prizes. It's just like you won Taskmaster, and the prize was the best plugs. Ooh. What would be the best plugs? All right. So you want to play? I would love to play. All right. Let's put six seconds on the clock. Okay. What is the best smell? The best smell is leftover curry fresh out of the microwave. What would you do with a trophy of Greg Davies? I would put it somewhere high and put a coat around it so it looked like he was actually in the room. What is the Dave Network named after? The Dave Network is named after Dave Lister from Red Dwarf. Alex Horn, yes, yes, no, no, or yes, no? Yes, yes, but only in certain climates. How would you make the best flash? The <laughs> the best flash I would make by attaching as many strobe lights as I possibly could to a creepy man in nothing but a trench coat. Oh, oh, oh okay. Well, you did it. You did it. Oh, great! Oh. I mean, we're celebrating, right? Oh, yeah. Look, you won it on five free plugs. I'm so excited. I'd like to thank uh, my family, everyone who supported me. Um, I, I definitely don't thank Steve. You know who you are, Steve. Get the fuck out, Steve. <laughs> You're not welcome here. <laughs> yes, yeah, Steve. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so um, plug number one um, is the podcast I do with my lovely friend Alex. Uh, it's called Flash in the Pan. We talk about old Flash animations, you know, Newgrounds, Arbino Black Sheep, and so, and so on. We've been going for about a year, and we have a lot of fun with it. Uh, our most recent episode is entitled Problematic, and we talk about Homestar Runner and something called Eric the Juice Man. Ah, um, well, eventually we'll get to the even more problematic stuff. Oh, don't worry, there's some stuff in the pipeline. <laughs> um... You can follow me on Twitter. That's the thing I can plug, um, which is at Gertrude Perkins. That's Gertrude, spelled like Gertrude, P-R-K-N-S. Um, I 
tweet a lot of stuff, IRT a lot of stuff. Um, most of it's fun, some of it's not, but hopefully you enjoy it. Um, I should definitely also plug uh, my co-host Alex's music. She's a punk musician. If you like cool queer core punk, then you should check out her stuff. Alex Valentine, uh, also Alexandra Valentine. I forget which name she uses. It's different on Spotify or Bandcamp. Anyway, she's got a new album coming out soon through uh, Neo Detritus that you should check out. Um, there are three. There are two more plugs. Two left. Um, well, um, honestly, one of the things that has been occupying me most in the last month is a really good book I've been reading. It's called Assimilate. It's a it's a history of industrial music. So everything from Throbbing Gristle to KMFDM and Nine Inch Nails, and everything in between. And uh, it's by S. Alexander Reed, who is himself a consummate musician behind Thou Shalt Not and Seeming. And the book is really interesting. Uh, sometimes funny, sometimes sad, and full of bizarre and amazing stories, and also some genuinely good analysis of what music is for and why people make it and there's a last i lost plug oh no ah oh, i don't actually have that much going on in my life i'm sorry um but i do have a semi-dormant hopefully to be soon updated more, with more stuff blog which is called media gluttony and you can find that at mediagluttony.wordpress.com um there are some cool things on it now uh including a story i wrote uh, last year about uh, shaquille o'neal eating helicopters wait, wait what <laughs> yeah like he ate a helicopter uh well you'll have to read the story to find out if he managed i i'm just thinking he just grew to like a godzilla sized shaquille o'neal and just like well, he's not magic he's, he's just a man he played for the orlando magic though you know what you're right and i can't disagree with you <laughs> Well, that's congratulations, Kurtrud, for being today's big winner. Like, genuinely, thank you. This has been an absolutely lovely time, and I cannot wait until the next time you are somehow allowed to have me back on. And that's it from us here. Until good night, good night. Good night. So first off, you might be wondering... Why was the audio so bad on my side? That was because uh, when I was recording, I had no idea that Audacity was running in the background, and apparently my microphone was on full blast, like a full 100, which, as any audio would know, like the full decibels would just... <laughs> so I tried my best to fix the audio. Uh, that's why I sounded a little weird, that episode. Um, but I want to thank... Uh, Thomas, yet again, for stopping by. Uh, check out Flash in the Pan, a fantastic po podcast. Lots of fun, a lot of nostalgic memories to me about the world of Flash animation uh, concerning Newgrounds and uh, the, 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 the decline, I guess, of animation. Uh, even on YouTube, if you think about it, like a lot of animations on YouTube, but we kind of forget about that all the time. Like Bravest Warriors, for instance. Oh, well. Uh, also, I did check out the link uh, that was sent. Here are some of the titles of, of Archive of Our Own with Greg Davies and Alex Horn. We got Let Me Be Your Killer Queen, uh, Taskmaster Circus Part 1, uh, The Element of Surprise, 
Here's the uh, description of this one. Uh, finally at home, after all of Greg's teasing, Alex finally confesses to his wife that he's realized he's submissive. He's not all ready for the sex that's happened after that. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> uh, love is a long road just like this fic. It's been a year since they kissed on TV, and Greg confessed his love for Alex after the show. They really ought to have talked about it by now. Uh, come to Daddy. It's less than 2,000 words of Greg humiliating cuckolding Alex after season series 8 episode 3. That's it. That's the entire fic. <laughs> I think that the, the, whoever is these fiction writers, I think they have a great sense of humor. <laughs> and I'm laughing uh, so much. Uh, also, there is a meetup. Uh, there is a task that is in the book, and that's actually a reason why we did this episode today, this week. Because one, a new series just started, Series 9. Uh, you can look at it in the sketchy world of Reddit, if you can. And two, uh, there's also a surprise task. There is a task 185. Write a 50-word story on the page opposite and run as far as you can at the same time. Best story over the first distance wins. You must be running while writing. You have until December 31st, 2019. Your time starts when you're appropriately dressed and ready to write. Well, I don't have that. So the other one, which is uh, supposed to be it, is meet on this mound at midday on 14th of September, 2019. Uh, It is... Uh, 51.706625073 latitude and then uh, zero I think it's a minus sign minus zero six one nine five five two nine nine four longitude a taskmaster tour begins at 1 p.m. after a picnic bring your own picnic that's task uh, so there's a picnic going on this week maybe attend if you know where that is uh, also, uh, the new series, The Taskmaster, began. It's a lot of fun. I love watching the show because of the creativity of a lot of these uh, comedians that I'm, that I'm excited for. So so please, go listen. Go watch Taskmaster. It's, it's a clever game. A board game's in the works. Somebody send me the board game. Alex Horn, please send me the board game. Uh, and we'll have a lot of fun talking about this great show called Taskmaster. Um... Also, uh, finally, uh, there is, uh, as we're in Series 9, I mean Series 10 is also going to be in the works soon, and that means then probably concluding with another champion of champions. I think that might be the end of this sh- this sh- game show, but I'm not sure because this is such a great, clever game that I think this could continue even afterwards. Maybe they want a champion of champion the champion special, um, but I love this show. This is one of those great British shows that I just couldn't figure out why it didn't work in America, even though we talked about it. Oh, well. It's now time for a 110-part series exploring every pricing game on The Price is Right. This is Pricing Game Spotlight. Hit me! Premiere date, November 7th, 1980. Number 3855D. Finale date, October 13th, 2006. Yep, 
this is a failed one. All right, so if you've never seen Hit Me, and good luck finding it, uh, here's how it works. Hit Me was a price game that was based on the game of Blackjack. This Blackjack-based game was played for a price between $2,500 and $10,000 and used grocery items. There were six grocery items shown, each concealing a standard playing card. A price also displayed with each item, which represented the actual price of the item multiplied by the value of the concealed card. Face values were worth 10 and aces worth 1, showing the actual price. Note that as in blackjack, an ace is worth either 1 or 11 in a player's hand, whichever is most beneficial to a player. Contestant would cut a deck of playing cards and the hand would be drawn for the house. The hand against which the contestant would play. The house received a standard blackjack hand consisting of a face-up up card and a face-down hole card, both placed on a game board. Unlike regular blackjack, the hole card was never checked nor revealed should the up card be an ace or face. The game simply went on. The contestant was then asked to select a grocery item. The actual price was then revealed and a playing card was placed in the contestant's hand on the board. The process was repeated for a second item. The contestant could then stand or continue to select grocery items if they wanted. If the contestant's hand totaled 21, they automatically won. If they succeeded 21, they busted and automatically lost. Otherwise, the game continued. Once the contestant's hand was complete, the house's whole card was revealed. The house would then draw additional cards from the deck if needed. If the hand totaled 17 or above, it must hit on 16 or less. If the house went over 21, it busts and the contestant automatically won. Otherwise, the contestant's hand was compared to the house's, with the larger total winning, and ties going to the contestant. The rules for dealing with a house soft 17 or 21 in which house treated as 11 forms of value which the house would stand on were never particularly clear in standard vegas rules a dealer ace was initially treated as an 11 unless it would make the hand go over 21 in which case it would then count as one sometimes barker treated the ace as one and continued drawing other times he treated the ace as a hard 11 and stood there was no apparent pattern to this behavior, although it seemed to hinge on this current mood. If the sum of both the house and the player hands are the same, this counted as a push, which the contestant con- is considered a win. In regular blackjack, though, the player just got his or her bet back, and neither was won nor lost. Strategy. The Hit Me board always contained one item that was marked as the actual retail price, which would be multiplied by 10. The ideal outcome would be a contestant choose two items to get an ace and a 10, or a face card. The contestant would then have a blackjack and would automatically win. Rules of multiplication would be used to aid assistance. For example, price multiplied by 10 would end in a zero. There would always be one price displayed with the last digit of zero, ensuring that was multiplied by 10. Conversely, a price which would not mathematically be a multiple of 2 or 10 would be the actual price. For example, an expensive price, which was plainly a prime number, would most likely be the actual price. Outside of that, aces and tens, other four cards are often two pairs of numbers, which add up to 10. Are you confused yet? Uh, Hit Me was created by then-associate producer Andy Fulcher. Debut of Hit Me and the entire week it falls in was actually taped after the second through fifth playings. The first taped playing aired November 13, 1980, and several times during the episode, Bob half-erroneously implies that he has never played this game before. Hit Me was originally played with no face cards and were added to the game February 4th, 1981. The Hit Me signs white parts are tinted orange on June 10th, uh, June 20th, 2006, six grocery items can be used in this game. The exact price based on one of the six. 
Next, an actual price multiplied by 10 is placed on another grocery item. Finally, the remaining four grocery items can be multiplied between 2 and 9. If there's a grocery item whose actual price is multiplied by 10, that does not mean a 10 of any suit will come out of the slot and can be a face card of any suit. The most number of times this game was played of any season was 23. Retirement. Hibby was retired because its rules were beginning to confuse many contestants. Really? You don't think so? Especially with newer contestants who have not been familiar with Blackjack, having been played for nearly 26 years. It was the second longest-lived pricing game ever to be retired, right behind Poker Game, which incidentally was also based on the card game. So, although Poker Game did not actually use cards, Hitme did. Hitme was the final retired pricing game to be taken out of active rotation during Barker's tenure as host. Penny Ante was retired in 2007, but has not been played since 2002. Poker Game, along with Joker, uh, were also played for the last time under Barker before it got moved to Drew Carey. Uh, before he got removed. I, I didn't care for this game. I think this is really, if I had to say, what's well, one of the worst pricing games, it was Hit Me. Uh, just because it's confusing and you have to figure out math and how many times is this. And they never specify, like, it's six of the product will total this or five of the product will total this. That it breaks. It breaks the damn game. And that, to me... Is why it's not good. If it was me, though, if I had to make a new version of this, I'd get six grocery items. And the idea would be to get to 21 by just the simple items. So you need something that's like five bucks would be a five. Something that's eight bucks would be an eight. And the idea is to total it over 21 and, and play it that way. Otherwise, uh, no, it doesn't work. Uh <laughs> And that's why I just don't care much for, for Hit Me. I think if you're going to do it in a new style, it should be based on the dollars of the value rather than product equal to total, if that makes sense. So you'll never go more than 10 bucks on a single grocery item and still play Blackjack the certain way. And then have it be like a cool card game. And like if it's like $5.99, it rounds up to six. Uh, if it's like a pack of and the idea is supposed to be you find something that's a dollar or less because a dollar or less is the ace and then something that's 10 bucks like that's supposed to be the idea pick the most expensive and the least expensive and most likely you'll win uh that's how i would have played it uh or you can play it so it's the price of two items and it must be closest to 21 without going over and then you gotta beat the dealer in a similar game of blackjack so if they got 14, they must hit, but if they got 17 at $17. So it's almost like grocery game as well, but with one item rather than picking up multiples, if that makes sense. Anyway, uh, next time on the pricing game spotlight, because Jesus, this game really did suck, is one of my favorite retired pricing games, Super Bowl. So now I get to finally review one of my favorite game shows again. Supermarket Sweep is back, everybody, on ITV2 in the UK. Uh, hosted by Ryan Clark Neal, this is an hour-long version of the classic supermarket game show. If you've never seen the show, people play games to build up sweep times. The time goes through to go through the aisles, most valuable items. Win goes on to play the most. We did an episode about it. Why are you asking me right now? 
in this version of the show, because it's an hour long, uh, there's a few complications. First of all, this is sponsored by Tesco over there in the UK, so there's a lot of Tesco advertising, a lot of Tesco products on the on the uh, supermarket, and it's slightly based off of Tesco. Everybody of the six now, instead of like the the jumpers being at the end, uh, they kind of all are distributed by team color. So there's a pink team, a yellow team, and a blue team. And that's their colors for the entirety of the episode. Everyone gets a bag for life. And that bag for life is one of your recycle bags. They have the Supermarket Sweep logo in Tesco. So good job with the art department there for giving a relatively cheap prize. Uh, then we start the round like we normally do on Supermarket Sweep with a mini sweep. There's going to be one of those clues. You buzz in with the correct answer if, based on something that's in the grocery store. You get 10 seconds out to your sweep time. And then instead of for a subtotal bonus... It's played for a bonus prize, like concert tickets or something. Uh, if they get within 30 seconds, they uh, win the prize. If not, oh well. Then we go on to our first game. For the first two episodes, it was Alphabet Soup. There's a bunch of letters. That's the first letter in the price of the answer. You buzz in, get it correct. Then there's a second game, and they all have to go to the uh, the the aisle. They have to go to the the... The trolley aisle, where all the, the cashiers are. And by the way, there's cashiers now. And there's Gary, the su- the the security guard. And then the announcer works in the announcing booth. And, it's, and the announcing booth looks like your store manager, manager special thing. It's great. Anyway, so they play a game where it's kind of like that You Don't Know Jack game, where it's like we look in someone's trash, can you figure out who we're talking about? But with grocery items. So if we saw scissors, a pair of scissors... A pirate eye patch, like a pirate costume hat. Uh, we saw a, a bottle of rum, and and that is must be say Johnny Depp. Um, that's the answer. Uh, Ten seconds for time for all of those. Thirty seconds up for grabs. Alphabet soup was six questions with five seconds for each correct, uh, which is different because a lot of time these were of ten seconds. This is half seas. This is five seconds, which is kind of weird, but. I guess if you're doubling the time, might as well half the score, maybe. Then we go into round three, which is the first new game of the series, besides the uh, everyone go to the grocery aisle and say hi to the cashier as we buzz in over there, which is pointless. It's pointless. There's no need for that. But sure, okay, it adds some extra fun to the game because we get to chat with some actors who are cashiers. That's great. Uh, With the Express Sweep is a new game, game three. Uh, basically, they have 45 seconds. All There are three people. They all get to run through the aisle, and they have to find the five items that are on a grocery list. Only one of those uh, uh, one of those items per line is stickered, just like in the mini sweep. Uh, if you find it, it's five seconds on your sweep time, but one of those five items is actually worth double or 10 seconds of time, meaning a whole 30 seconds is up for grabs. Then we move on to another game. Uh, like an ABC multiple choice decision on an iPad or a celebrity is in the aisles and oh wow let's play a prediction game with the soup celebrity or and it's all people from the ITV world because they're the cheapest uh, then we move on to our final game super Mar- and they're all played for five seconds a time or sometimes 10 if it's like a prediction game we move on to the Supermarket Swap. That's the Round Robin game. It's now not called Round Robin. It's called Supermarket Swap. Also, I should point this out, that neither of the games played 
on Supermarket Sweep are played in halves. So it's not one player each, and then they rotate the second game to the other players. No, this time everyone plays together. So it's all six at the same time, which is fun because now in round robin, now they get to go head-to-head with each other. In Supermarket Swap, there's questions. You buzz and you get it right. You get five seconds of time. But at various points in the show, you might hear a woo-woo noise. And that means it's a supermarket swap. And those five seconds will be taking off someone else's score. And you get to choose. So you get to steal the five seconds. Then we decide who runs the big sweep. And they all get to wear the the sweaters. That's fun. Yay, sweaters. So we're about like 44 minutes into the show now at this point. Uh, We go to the big sweep. Big Sweep is played similar, exactly Supermarket Sweep. You have like two minutes or so on the clock. You run through the aisles, grab as many items as you can. There is the Pick-A-Mix, which was the candy. Uh, if you get five items that total 500 grams, you get 50 pounds. There's a Manager Special. There's a whole lot of tin cans. If you find the ones where the top and bottom match your team color, you get 50 pounds. There's those inflatables. You remember the inflatables, the giant like pizza or the giant donut. You bring it over. Uh, you get anywhere between 25 to 100 pounds, and it's mystery. Ooh, but remember, only limit one per customer. Then there's the iconic shopping list. If you get three items, and sometimes they're in multiples, like seven carrots, uh, you will get 100 pounds. That's your subtotal. There is 10-pound deductions if you break an item, an item's on the floor because he knocked over a shelf, or you whacked a camera guy. Um, whoever has the total with the subtotal... The total in their cart that they've got, which means, you know, grab the cheese, grab the meat, grab the shampoo, grab the ironing board and, and garden hoses. Uh, with the deductions, whoever has the most wins the game, takes their cash, and goes on to the final, where there's three items waiting, and they have to find 3,000 pounds within 60 seconds. Same amount of clues... Uh, 60 seconds on the clock. They got to run around. Think finders keepers. A bunch of rhyming phrases. And then they run back. And then if they win, everyone celebrates. If not, commiserations. You won your jumpers. And you won like 300 pounds or so. And remember, next time at the supermarket, you hear the beep, beep, beep. Think about all the fun you can have on supermarket sweep. Ryland is the best in the show. This is the best I've seen Ryland host a game show. And he's hosted a lot of game shows currently because he's just like this television personality. This is the one that I think nails it because if he can't get Dale Winton because he's unfortunately passed away, he's the next best thing. And you know what? He has fun with it. However, the show drags on a little too long. I like the idea of express sweep, but I think maybe just do two sweeps. Maybe just break it into two games like they do on in here in America with like card sharks or... Uh, with, with with Pyramid. You could do two games and just have two halves of Supermarket Sweep. It's fine. But uh, it, to extend it out, add celebrities, it just doesn't feel right. There's not even a pricing game. There's not a higher or lower, which is like what they do on Supermarket Sweep. So it plays more into pop culture, which is fine. But it's not necessarily exactly supermarket sweep. It feels a bit like cheap, cheap, cheap. A lot of people online have compared it because of like, here's Gary, the security guard. And here's Joe, the, uh, now like the, the cashier talking over here. Like it's, it's fine. I guess everyone gets to be a character and be themselves and be a, like a, at asset. So it's like a living supermarket. 
but it also feels dragged on, if that makes sense. It feels like this show is going on a little too long. It overstays its welcome. And the fact that this is on at 8 p.m. and not like the afternoon also feels kind of strange to me because I've always said this. If you're doing a reboot of these shows, it should stop being prime time. It should be afternoon slot. A lot of the shows being revived forget that the shows did great because the, there were kids and like teenagers and old people and it's like that mixture of there's nothing on and here's this exciting game show on at like 5 p.m and they forget it so they think big primetime game show version of this and if you're giving away three thousand pounds that's not a lot the last version was in in like 2009 and they give away five thousand pounds so it's a step down not a step up from the last reboot why not just give it the, the straight up five thousand pounds that to me makes no sense um but it is a great reboot the games are fun it's still the big sweep is still a very exciting to watch but it feels like i'm watching that modern adaptation of double there again where the people where they're trying to cash off nostalgia yet they forget why it was nostalgic in the first place so it's a lot of 80s and 90s graphics you remember the trapezoids and you know like parallelograms how fun and just no, we don't need that. We don't need the crappy carpet floor from the funhouse. We want to see fun. We want to see modern. Go sleek. Go modern. And what we're seeing is kind of like, well, let's just add a whole lot of lights, spotlights, and just make it like a cartoonish version of the show. It's not necessary. It worked because it was cheap and it was on all the time. This would be like if Bargain Hunt suddenly wanted to become American so everybody plays for high stakes and there's spotlights all over the place. It doesn't need it. And that's the most disappointing thing. But I love Rylan on the show. The games are interesting. I'm not disappointed like some people are. I'm excited that it's back. But I can see why it drags on. And to me, that's the biggest knock in addition to the unnecessary celebrity cameos. I don't give a shit somebody from Love Island's on the show. I care about these contestants. Let me care for these contestants for once. And watch them go through the big sweep and go with the... Why is their sweater still other than nostalgia? Give them track suits. Give them something modern and hip that people wear. We don't need to see sweaters. And to me, that's the missteps in this. It's not Ryland. It's not the supermarket. It is a bit of the set design because of lighting kits. It just drags on with these games. The five seconds of time, it's not that bothersome. I like it if it was just 10 and 20. So, hey, if there's three minutes of time or four minutes of time, they can actually build up and get a bit more money that to me is what is more necessary i would rather have three to four minutes of them running through the aisles instead of just like what amounts to two if that makes sense uh because it, as it's too short it's too chaotic and when it's too chaotic i don't know what the hell's going on i don't get to see each other's plans and i think we need more fun inflatables that's just me uh so my final rating so far is b minus i will keep watching this show it's not a disaster like other game shows but it could have been better um but i'm still gonna watch it just out of like the sake of it's supermarket sweet folks it's back i'm so excited so that's gonna do it for us this week thank you so much for tuning in 
Uh, remember, we are on Apple Podcasts. Give it a rating. Tell me what game show you want to see. We'll try and make it happen. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A. Say hello. And you can listen to any more episodes here on jordanhaas.com slash podcast. We are still doing this, folks. And I guess to say hello, there's there's more fun to have. Join me next week for another great game show, I suppose. And until then, remember, next time you're at the supermarket and you hear the beep, think about all the fun you could be having on Supermarket Sweep. Good night, everybody. Big smooch. Mwah!